we took this survey at Communitas and we got just under 100% response. You know how we did it? We just collected it right away. And so we got, we got about a 5% response the first time we did it here. And we're so thankful that Anne responded because we, we, she really needs to upgrade her commitment to, to Lydia House. She just doesn't ever do anything, never, never shows up, and never, never participates. And so I want to do it again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them to you in a moment. But uh, here's our outlook here. I know what kind of church you want. I already know what kind of church you want. You don't want a consumer church where you, where you shop as a consumer. You want a church that, that's like a family where everybody plays a part, where everybody gets a piece of the pie. Everybody knows they're important. Everybody shares in the life. So CJ comes early and he does the sound. And Greg is vacuuming the carpet. And others are in there doing prayer. It's all counts. It's all wonderful. And so now you may say, but I do something out there. Wonderful. If you've got a ministry going out there, that counts too. What do I mean does it count? The Bible says you're saved by grace through faith. And this is not yourself. It's a gift of God, not because of works. So let's say any man should boast, right? Not because of works. What are we saved for? Works. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works. And so your good works may be here, or they may be 50 miles away. Doesn't matter. It's all the same. But we feel that it's our responsibility and our joy to involve you in the life of God's people, however that may be. And so we've got a couple options here. If you see something here that fits who you are, check it. If you want to sign up for a month or sign up for a semester, you can do it that way. Or you can say, I'm already involved in this way. That gives us an understanding. You're, you're not passive. You're not just uh, coming to check things out, but you're involved, but you're involved somewhere else. We like that just as much. So it's, it's for a family, you know, a couple, you can sign it together. But uh, Joe, if you can help in getting those out. We'll just take a, a few moments now to do that because two people invested what God gave them in this parable that Jesus told. And at the end of their race, they got a good response. What was it? What did they hear the master say? Well done. Good and faithful what? So we're, we're sons and we're servants. We talked about our sonship a couple weeks ago. So we're sons and we're servants. And as we relate to Jesus, the Lord Jesus, we're his servant. We're his, bro his brothers and sisters, but we're also his servant. And so he's given us something to do. And we want to help you walk into your God-appointed destiny. And if that means sitting down with you and talking together, we'd love to. We do that with a lot of young people. Karen and I, our mission in this season of our life is to raise up and release young adults into their God-appointed destiny. So that's one of the things that's really important to us. So we meet with them and talk to them, ask questions, try to find out where God is heading them and see if we can help them head in that direction. So you may, you may not see something here where you'd like to be involved in Lydia House or outside of Lydia House. 
we really don't need that many people to keep this thing running, keep this thing moving. And so we want to get people outside of the door doing things out there. So if you're thinking, hey, I'd like to get together with a few other people and do this, that may be something that other people might be interested in too. So we're going to collect them all today, and then we'll go through them, and we'll get back to you. So when you, uh, well, we'll just give you a, a couple minutes to look through it. And thank you for understanding our heart. Frankly, you need, you need to do something more than we need you. So, so this, is, this is not, we're desperate. We're, we're uh, you know, the lights are going out. You, the radio program, you know, the lights are going out unless the money comes in. We're, uh, we're, not, we're not thinking that way. We're thinking that we want to we wanna have the kind of family where everyone shares in it, everyone has a part. You've heard the 80-20 principle? You know what that is? It's, it's sometimes a, a 90-10, isn't it? Sometimes a 90-10. And there are people that just naturally serve. And you have some places that are 90-10, some places are 80-20. You don't call that family. You don't call that church. That's, that's, not, that's not what we're about. We're about, wouldn't it be something if 100%? Whoa. How many 80-20? We got 100, 100. We got 100 people. They're sharing in the life of what God is doing here. They find their, find their place. Man, when people find their place in a community, then things happen. Well, there's such a unity in community that everyone is sharing in some way. That's a powerful place. So I'll give you a couple more minutes, and then uh, send your survey. Any questions, people wondering about something? Put your name on it. Sure. Unless you got a really hard job and you want to put Bob Ryan, you know. <laughs> I'm volunteering people, so give me some Good. Okay. That works too. I'll think of something. Want to speak into the mic? No? You sure? Just try. Okay. What's your name? Well, that was really effective, wasn't it? <laughs> Everybody, everybody's important here, regardless of how big they are, or how old they are, or how young they are, or how talented they are, or how smart they are. I was reading one day about, uh, in fact, Karen and I read it this last week. 
Jesus said, I thank you, Lord of heaven. You turn them in on the turn them in the center and we'll pick them up. That you have hid these things from the wise and learned, and have revealed them unto babes. And I thought, hmm. A few people might consider me learned. I had four years past college of education, and I've I've been educated beyond my intelligence. <laughs> and I uh, I might what do, what does it get me? Well, it might get me out of Revelation. It might get me checking out of what God wants to reveal to the babes. So, young ones, you sure are important to us. Glad you're here to hear this very adult sermon. Well, well I have one idea. As Paul and I were talking about that, the, the children, do you know that Jesus said that, Judah and Eden? Jesus said that he gives you understanding more than you can realize because he loves children. He said, let the little children come unto me. And that is so special because remember the picture we see in books sometimes of Jesus sitting down and all the children come around and sit on his lap? It's because he loved them so much. Let the little children come on to me. And, you know, I've heard Judah and Eden sometimes sing nice little songs, sweet little songs that your mama has taught you. And what was that one that you used to sing? I will love the Lord your God. Do you remember that one? Maybe that was one I learned when I was little. With all your heart, with all your soul, I will love the Lord your God with all my heart and strength and soul. And Jesus tells us to do that, and we don't even understand all that. But even the little babies, even though some of my grandkids were not the quietest today, I am learning that Jesus loves all of us, whether we're noisy or quiet. <laughs> and today, forgive us for being a bit noisy. Um, but what I want to say in, in conclusion, in conclusion okay. <laughs> Go ahead. was just the overwhelming fact, as Paul and I were looking at the passage, as, as you said, that he's revealed things to children, perhaps because they have such pure hearts. You know, and us mamas, uh, we have been in awe when we hold a newborn, for instance, and grandmas and aunties and uncles, haven't we? Been in just awe. And the, uh, the passage that says, you know, he has allowed praises, pure praises to come from them. Well, they've just come from the Lord's heart. And so today, let's learn something about, as one of your points is, about the home, Christianity modeled in the home. That's what that's about. That's what that's about. Yep. That's yes. It all fits together. So any kids that want to come with more. Okay. Okay. If any of you adults want to go, you can go. <laughs> the littlest angel. 
That was my wife that said that. Yes, here I am. Okay, Karen, why don't you just go and I'll, they'll come in a little bit. You, you just go. Yeah, they'll be fine. Okay, I sent this to you ahead of time. I have no expectation that everybody got to it. I know that a couple of people got to it. The reason I sent it out is that it is probably one of the more important things that I've put on paper. And I'll tell you why. In the, in the 80s and 90s, there came a surge in the church to get a mission statement, a vision statement. Some of you weren't alive. You, didn't, you don't know what I'm talking about. But people were getting vision statements for their church. What's a vision statement? Well, it's a, it's a statement that says something about where you're headed. And so people started asking me as a pastor in the 90s, what's our vision? And I didn't, I didn't even know what they were talking about. What do you mean, what's our vision? What? Well, they said, McDonnell Douglas has a vision. What's our vision? Well, Great Commission, I guess. Great Commission. And really didn't stop. And I saw other vision statements that people were putting together. They'd go on a retreat and come back with a vision statement. And it seemed about as, as generic to, as being able to fit with Taco Bell down the street. You know, it didn't really seem to call them to any particular vision. And, uh, but it became a fad, really became a fad. When you needed a vision statement. Well. Vision is a wonderful thing. I have vision for what we're doing with young adults. That's a sense of direction. Vision without values is a very dangerous thing. Think Hitler. Did he have vision? Yeah, he, he had something that he saw. He didn't have the values to undergird it. I honor our president because he's in, the, he's in the office. I don't honor some of his values. I don't think he's got good values. He's got vision. And so a church, let's hope a church has vision. A church has a sense of where it's going. But let's hope that a church has some values. And so I thought about that just this morning. I said, well, what are the values that we have here? What's important? Values are what undergirds a vision. Values are, are something about who you are. Normally, if you ask somebody, well, tell me about your church, they talk about its vision. They talk about things that you do. They talk about functions. Well, we got a good choir. We got a neat children's ministry. We got, uh, uh, yeah, we got several preachers, and it's a good church. They would tend to say less about the values. We have a church that's really united. We have a church that, that honors the presence of Jesus. He's, he, Jesus is among us. But values, 
are really important. If you've got somebody that's got vision and is willing to compromise their values for their vision, look out. You get a dad who's got a vision for what he wants to do in his job place and puts that over his family, look out. We're going to be praying for that kid at Communitas or wherever, wherever that child ends up because the vision overtook the values and the values weren't there to undergird it. And it happens at churches, it happens in companies, it happens in families. So we want to talk today about those two things and the values that undergird our lives. So I'm just going to ask a question here. What are the values that you see important at Lydia House? What do we treasure? What do we value as characters? As And I'll, I'll just name a couple and then you see if you think of any. One of the things that we value is non-negotiable relationships of love because we do not regard tension or even conflict as a threat. We treat it as an opportunity. Now, that everybody doesn't share those values, but we share those values. So when tension rises, it doesn't throw me because it's like the dashboard on the light. It's telling us something is happening. It doesn't say something is wrong. Tension is a part of life. Conflict is a part. And so that's a value that we have. A value is something that's important to us. It's who we are. That, that doesn't say where we're headed. Hopefully, where we're headed grows out of our values. So we have values that set us forward. People can have values and no vision. They're not going anywhere. People have vision without values, and I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to go with them. They're going the wrong place. And so we want to have both. So any other values that you see, if you've been a part of us for a while, what, what are any other values that you would pick up? Every individual is important. Every individual is important. Would you agree with that, that that's a value here? And you, you can disagree if you want to. That's another value, by the way. We can disagree. We don't want to be uh, uniform. We want to be in unity. Unity means you have to have other parts. You've got to harmonize. To harmonize, you have to have people playing different parts in order to have harmony. So that's important. Unity is important to us. Different parts. That's very important. So that we have different people preaching, teaching, serving, doing a variety of things. That's important. Any, any other? It won't take much time. One or two minutes. We believe in people. When someone asked me to speak recently, and I'm, I'm going to, but not when they asked me to, and that would be the first thing as an older person, as a 70-year-old, looking back on ministry, that's the, probably one of the first things I'd say. Learn to believe in people. Jesus believed radically in people. He sent them out. How, much, how many seminars did they have? I don't know if they had one.
where Charlie is going, I'm excited. I believe in Britain. I, it's not hard to believe in those people that want to speak. And that was a switch in me. As I look back on my early ministry, I'm saying now, I wish I believed in people more. And I believe in people more now. I believe he got up to speak to me which I was so proud of him. I believe in him. And I was rooting for him. And he, you know, he had a grand slam. So I was really, really happy for him. And some places he wouldn't get a chance because, I mean, you have two or maybe three people that do the speaking. We don't we talk. We have maybe 10 or 20. Because we believe. People have something they want to say, we want them to say. They have a vision in their heart. Karen asked Hannah, yeah. to start a ministry. I said, okay, before you... <laughs> I just want to hear how many here really resonate personally with what Hannah is saying and feel a call to what she's doing. About six of them raised their hand. I said, okay, go ahead. And she started this ministry on the spot. I thought, that's wonderful. She didn't have to go through three tiers, the church council, the pastor, the board, the da, 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 da. She went for it because she was believed in. That's an important value. We're going to stop. I, I, I've written down a few others here. Now I use it. On the count. Okay. Uh, values. We value prayer. Prayer is a part of every, every gathering. We value that. We value small groups. We value that Sunday is for Monday. This has an outlet on Monday. If it's not working for Monday, then why do it on Sunday? Sunday affects the rest of the week. We value relationships. We value shared leadership. So those are some of the things that we value. Then vision grows out of your values. And I'm going to show you why that's important in the Bible and how we relate together because value undergirds vision and it's got to. The first institution that began is the home. Be fruitful and multiply. Sounds like the home to me. Does it sound like the home to you? God was calling man and woman together. Establish a home. Be fruitful and multiply. Chapter 1, chapter 2. The first institution of the new covenant is the family of God, the church. It's compared to a family. It's called in the Bible the household of faith. Your family. We've got a father, our father who art in heaven. We've got brothers and sisters, people that are joined together, that share in the same inheritance of our elder brother. So we are a family. In the Anderson family, values are important. More, than, more so than vision. We didn't come together you know, to establish a big family. We, we didn't talk about that. We didn't, we didn't talk about our kids uh, growing. It was never an issue. We just gave them healthy food, and that's what happened.
happen. As a family, relationships, if they aren't important, they should be, because that's what a family is all about. Now, I understand some of you are here, and family should be the closest thing on earth to heaven. For you, perhaps for Charlie, as you shared, it was more like hell than heaven. That's sad. And the father is scandalized when that happens, because that's meant to be a place where children are raised up with love, with affection, with affirmation, with understanding, so that they can walk into their destiny and live on the planet with real purpose. So we are called as the church to be a family, and this local church <coughs> to be a family, and to have values that we relate together. The only way to properly understand the Bible, and especially the New Testament, is to understand it in the context of relationship. And I'll, just, I'll show you some uh, ways to understand that and how we relate together. <coughs> Paul said, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but have not love, what am I? I'm just making noise. If I have all faith, faith enough to remove mountains. Anybody here have mountain moving faith? That, that's pretty wonderful. I have, if I have ministry, I have function that's unrelated to value, value of love, value of caring for people. I would say that that's, not in, that's, that's less in, in importance. Paul would say it's nothing. It's zero. So then the values must undergird whatever we do, whether we're speaking in tongues or moving mountains, whatever we do, there needs to be a love undergirding it. That's really important because it's easy to compromise. Now, let me say something very personal regarding what went on this last week called Revive. Now, I'm thankful for every gain that was made last week. I'm thankful for every person that went out. I'm thankful. I, I met with the leader of that. He came here. We met. And I told him what my understanding of the Great Commission is and how I respond to that in a relational way. I believe in street evangelism. I believe in, in knocking on doors, and I've done it. I did a lot of it as a younger person. I walked the beaches and witnessed daily. My experience and what I learned from my understanding of the Bible is that the more effective way, and Billy Graham would say the same thing. He would say it's more effective than what he did. He says, that's one thing I, I'm, I'm sorry about, that there were many contacts, but many didn't get followed up. So I choose a kind of relational evangelism that makes connections and goes for the long term. Is the other wrong? No, because it's in the scriptures. But both kinds are, 
are present. And so I, I choose that. And I told him that that's, for me, what I want to teach the young adults in our context. Because I talked to someone who said, I felt like I was with some. You know, I was trying to get their attention, trying to connect with them. And it was hard. It was, it, it was difficult to, to make the connection. I, hadn't, I never met them before. Did they do it in the New Testament? Yes, they did. But then when they built the churches, there was a, a substance there and a kind of connection that allowed them to build relationships and move out from that place. Second thing, worship that's disconnected from relationship is uh, illegitimate. Here's a person coming to bring a gift at the altar, and they realize that they they're at odds with somebody. What do you do? Say, well, I'll take care of that uh, after lunch today. What does the scripture say? Do we follow that? How important are relationships? They are so important that Jesus says, you can't even worship. If your heart is not engaged with the people that are here, if, you want, if we want to upgrade our worship life, what do we upgrade? We upgrade our relationships. The stronger our relationships, the stronger our worship. I loved our worship this morning. I love to gather together and praise the Lord. The stronger we are connected to one another, the more our worship will rise to the heights. So that means that if there is tension and God is highlighting something where we need to speak to somebody, we don't put that off. I came back in 1995 in the summer and someone shared with me things are ready to go except for the youth ministry. We've got some tension in the youth ministry and I, I'm, it might affect the conference but we'll go ahead and deal with it after we get done with the Holy Spirit conference. I said, what do you mean? Well, we will have to deal with it, of course. And so we'll deal with it then. I said, no, we won't. We'll deal with it right now. Well, if we deal with it right now, something may explode, and that could affect the conference. I, I don't care. My job description is not conferences. My job description is people. It's relationships. It's connections. It's honesty. It's openness. We're going to address it. And they said, oh, okay. Because I value what the scripture says. That you can't worship a right unless your relationships are in order. So we addressed it. It was heated. There was some fallout. But then what remained was what we needed to do the youth thing. So if you see anything here where you feel like we're not valuing relationships, and commitment and unity, you let me know because that's really high on my list. I've told communitas, I said, I'm not afraid of tension, I'm not afraid of conflict. It's a gift where people have non-negotiable relationships and you're not going to throw them off. Conflict is a gift because it always, and I say always, I don't say sometimes, it always brings you to a new level of unity where relationships are non-negotiable. Do I hear an amen? amen. But where you tiptoe around and you're wondering because your relationships are being compromised. 
See, if function becomes important, if function becomes more important than who you are and how you relate together, then it's not hard to step on a person, say, okay, Joel, we know you can't stand kids, but we need somebody to teach uh, seventh grade Sunday school because we're starting next week and we got to get the job done. See, can you hear it? Can you hear the pressure? We got a job to do. And it's easy to do that if you're looking at your function, if you're looking at your vision, you can compromise your values for the sake of vision. And we do it all, people, churches, do it all the time. Well, Jerry, yeah, he's great with finances. He's really good with finances. We should have him on our board. He just doesn't know the Lord very well, but he's sure good with finances. Do you hear what they're saying? It's not important for the finances to be a spiritual thing. Do we have a value there? Do we have something that will tell us, no, you can't do that? Yes, we do. Everybody's important in their life in Christ, and we're not going to shove people. We're not going to go over people for the sake of something that we see out there that we feel is important. But sometimes we will, unfortunately. You know, sometimes we will. Sometimes we will hear it literally how. And then you need to blow the whistle and say, Paul, wait a minute. And people have blown the whistle with me. A girl named Lisa. I won't tell you her last name, but she's married to Trent, and they've just had a baby. <laughs> and she said to me once, you've said something twice on Tuesday night, and you laugh. It's about marriage. You laugh. And she said, it's not funny to me. And she said, I know your heart, but are you sure you want to say that? As soon as she said it, you're right. I'm very sorry. So we're going to... Some of you we may have stepped on here. And we need to know if we'd have. Because we value relationships. We fly with both wings. The fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the supernatural character of Jesus Christ. The gifts of the Spirit are the supernatural ministry of Jesus Christ. Some people say, you know, forget the gifts. I just want the fruit. Well, wonderful. You're going to crash anyway. You're not going to make it across the pond with one wing. And there are others that are so excited about the gifts of the Spirit that they're willing to run over people in order to get their way to get those gifts in operation. And they, they don't care as much about people. They love God. It's people they can't stand. And so there, there's, there's some uh, agitation, and they're going to crash. So what do we want? We want the supernatural character of Jesus and the supernatural fruit of the Spirit. Where relationships are primary, and I'm going to close this in a couple minutes here, people are more important than programs. It's interesting what I've shared this with in leadership conferences. I've said at Lydia House and Communitas, we've never asked the question, what do we need? We ask the question, what do we have? Because God has given us what we need. So we don't need to hire somebody from the outside. Is it wrong to hire from the outside? No, it's not wrong. I think it's better for a church to say, what has God given us? And then we use what people, that's our program. Hannah became our program. Dana's our program. Joel's our program. You're our program. So we don't establish something over here and say, okay, now let's serve the program. Because it's too easy. 
to become a servant of that program. It's too easy to push a program. I found myself as a member of a denomination saying, I thought they were supposed to serve me. I think I'm serving them. I think they're expecting me to serve them, to give them money, to give them time, to give them energy, to go to their things. And they're supposed to serve me. It, it, it goes the other way around. When relationships are primary, the process is as important as the product. See, if the product comes too important, if the vision becomes too important, then you've got a Hitler. How could those Germans close their ears to the Jews that were coming by in the trains and crying out? They said they sang the hymns louder so that they couldn't hear the cries coming from the trains that were coming right by the church. They compromised their values for a, for a skewed vision and couldn't even see it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer saw it, and he was hanged, unfortunately, even after Berlin was taken. So don't let us compromise vision. Everyone gets a piece of the pie. I love that. You're important here. And we'll prove it to you. You share something with us. We'll prove it, how important you are. Where functions supersede relationships, getting a job done can appear more important than care for people. This means that the Great Commission precedes the Great Command. I mean, the Great Commandment precedes the Great Commission. That we embrace the Great Commandment in order to fulfill the Great Commission. You know what convinces the world that Jesus is Christ? Our relationships. That is what convinces Our doctrine doesn't convince them. They already know that we hate them. We don't, but that's what they think because they think that's our doctrine. Our doctrine does not convince them. It's how we treat one another in the body of Christ that will get their attention. Jesus said that twice. And so we want to believe that and love each other. It just get real good at it. I'll just, I'll just close there. I have more that I'd like to say, but hey, I'll put it up again and you, you can read it because there, frankly, there's a lot of good stuff in here. I think I said some important things in this thing. So I'd like you to read it. What if this group of 40 or so got really close to each other? You don't have any more time than I do. I'm a busy person. I work hard. So I'm not asking you to spend more time. I'm asking you to love better. As I ask myself, love better. Whatever that means here or outside of here, it means love with all your might. Love your family as best you can. Love one another. Share, and you come together. Hug and, and, and ask them. Build them up. Don't be thinking about yourself. The Bible says to think of other persons as more important than yourself. That's hard to do. Isn't it? Isn't it hard to think of other people as more important than yourself? You can do it. I can do it. By the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, we can do it. I look out you. I'm proud. Aren't you proud of Charlie and what he did? He flew to, to uh, confront his mother. And she responded. I'm proud of her for being in a place where she was willing to respond. I'm, I'm proud of my family. I'm proud of you. David's leaving to go to, go to Wisconsin uh, today, David. Or he'll be leaving for a week. I'm proud of David. Proud of 
how he lives his life. I'm proud of what God's doing in Greg's life and how he's making decisions to follow the Lord. Father, we want to be, we want to be a bouquet here at Lydia House. We want to be a, a bouquet that brings joy to you. We're small, we're insignificant, but we are something in your heart. We are something in your eyes. Would you teach us how to love one another, how to care for one another, how to relate, how to speak about one another, how to speak to one another, how to care for one another, how to be friends, how to be family in such a way that something will happen in our hearts. And it will lead to a vision that is compelling and life-changing. I don't know if I have a vision for Lady House. I thought I had a vision, which is to plan other house churches. I'm frankly, I'm not sure if that is the vision. But I'd like us to just pray about our relationships over the next months and see if a vision surfaces. But God gives us a vision. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.